Hello, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin, an inquisitive space where we explore topics like gaining wisdom, travel, yoga, meditation, dance, art, and following our soul-guided paths. I'm your host, Emily, from gettingintoit.com, and together we'll focus on enjoying, sharing, and interpreting our sacred adventures and how to embody these lessons in our daily lives. Let's begin. Well, hello everyone and welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about what I do um, during the year. Well, one of my jobs is that I am the international coordinator for a residency, an artist residency in India called the Kalaketra International Artist Residency, and it takes place in Raghurajpur, which is a city near the town of Puri in Odisha. So I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about how I got to that point, but I did want to point out that this is my second time recording and publishing this episode, and part of what I'm doing with this podcast is I'm taking the time to really practice viewing myself lovingly, so I, I do listen to the episodes I record, and uh, and I've just been practicing accepting them, but this one I decided I did want to come back and re-record parts of just to refine what I'm trying to say with this. And anytime I think that you're doing editing, there's this delicate balance between self-acceptance and refining the art form or the message so that you're putting your best foot forward. And I did want to make sure that that's what I was doing here. So artist residencies are programs and opportunities for artists to spend time focused on making work and living in community with each other. That's why they're called residencies. You go there, you set up residence, you live, you make art. Most artists pick residencies in places that have some sort of interest for them and their work or in programs that align with their work or what their work is about. Other times they pick residencies for the duration or for the chance to get the opinions and connections of other artists or other aesthetic or cultural backgrounds, which is a huge component in what we do in KIAR. Making a very, very, very long story super short, so going directly to the point here, our residency, which we call CARE, or Perform Odisha, formed out of the aftermath of what I would consider to be a very, very, very unsuccessful residency program that is still running in the very same village today. Um, During my stay there and with the man who ran the program um, as a resident myself, I formed relationships with the artisans that live in the village, the women, and the leaders of Raghurajpur, and was invited by them to help make a new program that better served them and also better served the artists who were coming there to stay and make work. Now, I do want to pause here and add a little bit of a disclaimer for the rest of the episode. Part of what I'm seeking to do with this podcast is to talk about my lessons learned on my sacred journey, which is more or less a meandering path, if I'm being totally honest. It's definitely not a direct journey, but it is a delightful meandering path to my fullest self and and my highest expression. And one of the big things I feel like I've learned, at least from stepping into this role, Um, as the international coordinator is that I still have a long way to go in terms of balancing staying in compassion and not judging and then also 
though still being able to take actions uh, to find fixes, to create solutions for issues um, caused by the type of things that I will admit I typically judge, or at least on some level that I no longer want to experience. So in other words, I, as the coordinator, I'm walking that like balance line between not making others wrong and also not tolerating the, tolerating the abuse of myself and others. I do also want to say that my position is a volunteer one, and um, occasionally I'm also a financial supporter for the program, meaning I, I put my own money into it, even though I am not getting paid for doing the work that I do. And it is also my experience um, as a white woman in my mid-30s that my position as the international coordinator for this program and this residency is like absolutely mired in webs. It's not just one web, it's multiple webs of beautiful, but also complex historic, historical events, um, specifically colonialism and also racism. It's interesting to me how much that affects the everyday interactions between myself and, and people there. And I do want to kind of give, give a nod to the fact that the history of colonialism in India um, does have effects on present-day climates in India, and it continues to affect how India sees and engage itself, sees itself, and also engages with uh, Western visitors. The fact that I'm even needed to help create and sustain a artist residency program there, when my primary function really is to serve as a go-between for the artist and also the residents in the village, illustrates, I think, the political and racist systems that keep the masses in India unable to access the same technology that we have in the U.S., and also the fact that certain internet providers will not crawl or list websites coming out of India in your feed. So even if you sat down at your computer and you typed in artist residency in India, our website, the one that was designed and created by the people I work with in India, probably won't show up. Yet my website, that is just a blog, will. So... It's complicated, and I I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I I do want to acknowledge that I am speaking from a position of, of privilege. When I first set out to do my own residency in India, uh, I had gone there for my own reasons, and I had really never expected ever in a million years that I would be taking on a role like this. So... I'm going to go ahead and play some clips for you of the original episode where I talked about the program that I went to and the problems with it and how eventually I was asked to take on this role. So here you go. Oh, yeah. Um, I kind of want to also introduce Ragarajpur. It's a cultural heritage village in the state of Odisha. I also said that you can pronounce it Orissa. Um, if you're looking at a map, it is kind of in, I'm not going to say Southern India, but it's on the coast. Um, and it's near a, a, um, town called Puri. And the super cool thing about this village is that it is like preserving the traditional crafts and arts of that area. So they do cow dung sculpture and they make these incredible like life-size god and goddesses for each of the like changing seasons in India. And they're just fantastic. It, they're huge. They're these big sculptures and they're made entirely out of things that, that 
are just naturally in the area. And I say naturally in the area, for those of you who haven't been to India, um, cows are free. <laughs> um, <laughs> free is a good way to describe them. They're everywhere, and we don't put them in little cages in India. People let them roam. So you find cow dung just about everywhere, and um, yeah, and it actually turns out it's great for sculpture. Um, those of you who are cringing now, oh, I could never do that. It's really actually kind of wonderful once you get past the smell, but we're not going to go into that right now. They also do stone carving and palm leaf carving. And I don't know if you've ever seen like super old documents, like palm leaf carving predates like papyrus. It was one of the earliest forms of writing and it as a tradition is alive and well and being used expressively in this village. So it's also interesting too because Raghurashpur is outside of the city. So it's kind of like, I kind of describe it as like a hamlet because there's other little like areas near it. Um, but it's like 125 houses and almost everyone who owns a house in the village, uh, the house has been part of their family for like ever, <laughs> um, for the known past. And everyone who lives there is an artist. And in the front of every single home is like a little gallery where you can like kind of peep in and they have the work that they produced, um, sitting out there in the front of the home. And then the porches are where a lot of the production happens. So as you walk down the street, you look up at somebody's porch and you see what they're working on now. And then you step through their door and you can see the work that they're producing. Uh, they do do some more, I want to call modern, but the traditions go back pretty far, just not as far as like palm leaf carving. Uh, but they do patachitra painting, which is they take old saris, like ones that have holes in them or aren't wearable anymore, and they mix them with this gum that they make from a tree and um, lay them out on the cement until they dry. And they're kind of like, they become these really interesting flexible canvases. And then they grind and make their own gesso for them. It's super cool. It's so super cool. Anyway, if you ever end up doing the residency, you can find out all about how that happens. Uh, but So I ended up finding out about this village on Res Artists where uh, the man who runs uh, the program that I did, we're going to call him Kit, uh, was already running a residency there, and we're going to call this residency Spice. <laughs> um, because I, I don't want to talk too much uh, negatively about anyone. Um, but there were definitely drawbacks to the residency that at least I did. Uh, during the months that I was there, I was there with 10 other artists from around the world which is super cool. And three of us are also art professors. So going into the program, I felt like even if it wasn't what I expected, at least I'd be in good company. Um, and I, I really, though, was shocked at how poorly run um, Spice was and at some of the very unprofessional behaviors of Kit. And toward the end of the months that I was there, um, there were supposed to be 10 of us and everyone left except three. I had taken a year off at that time and had been meditating in an ashram that was heavily influenced by Hindu gurus like Sai Baba and thinkers who blend the like Buddhist Vedic wisdom with Western philosophy and theology like Deepak Chopra. Uh, the woman I was studying with, her name is Dr. Rebecca Martin. She is a incredible teacher and has had so many experiences 
um, both in India and, and with spirituality. So I, I had come to India, um, already aware of sort of like the types of art that I would be seeing and how, and the ideas that they represented. And when I went to there, uh, it was when I was kind of like, I don't want to say between jobs, but I had decided not to teach that year and just to like kind of recalibrate my life and my artwork. And I had been struggling to get into my studio and I knew I needed a little bit of a push. So I thought that being around other artists would kind of give me that push. Um, yeah. And also it's always great. This is one of the big reasons to do an artist residency. When you're there seeing other people's work, you get inspired. And then when, when you do a critique, which sounds like something negative, but, um, it almost always, inspires new ideas for you. So I was really excited about being in that environment. Now, I do realize that prior to going to India, um, I did a lot of research on the culture, um, on meditation, on the shots I needed, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. But I had assumed, as most people do, that organizers, especially ones that were listed through the, the um, website I went through, were there to pay attention to the artists that they had set out to serve. And this assumption, as well as some sort of fundamental approach differences, were at the crux of um, why I got asked to help make a new program. And to be clear and specific, the um, resident artists of Raghurajpur were the ones who asked me to do this. Um, yeah, so... I arrived in India <laughs> after four flights, Louisville to New York, New York to Delhi, Delhi to Bhubaneswar, and that was totaling three days of travel for me. So I had more or less been awake or very poorly slept uh, for three days. And Kit approached me at the airport and asked me if I was this other artist that he was expecting. And I was like, no, but are you Kit? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm Emily. And he was like, oh, you didn't tell me when you were coming in. And actually, I was sitting there with my phone in my hand with an email that I had sent to him saying what time I was coming in, like two weeks before I had even left. And him responding, okay, I'll be there. So I was a little bit like, mm, mm, okay. And so I'm expecting that we're going to go. I'm going to have a chance to lay down. No, we waited in the airport on the sidewalk in... 100 degree heat. That's a degree Fahrenheit. So I don't know what that would be in Celsius, probably like 45. Just waiting for the other artist for hours. <laughs> and then, yeah, because he didn't want to waste the money driving us all separately. And I, at that point, if he had told me that, I would have just paid extra to go to the village. But it wouldn't have mattered because he didn't have my room set up anyway. But we'll talk about that in a second. So we all pile in this car. None of us have been in a car in India before. <laughs> and, and in India, you ride in cars a little bit differently than you do in the U.S. You pack everyone in. So there were six of us um, sitting in the back of a small car. Our luggage is strapped down on top of the car, in the trunk, on top of the trunk. And we're in the back of like a, you know, the seat at the most should have fit four people and there's six of us in it. It's hot. I think I mentioned that. And then one of the women was like, 
oh, well, I need to get, I need to get artwork, um, things to make art with right away. And so we stop at an art supply store and we buy her art supplies, which then go on all our laps because you can't fold the paper, God forbid. Uh, at this point, I've, I've been there. I have been traveling for three days. I've not been offered food or water. I'm dying. We get to Raghurajpur, and <laughs> I am delirious. And we're moving from, like, room to room. We're, like, space to space. Like, first, they sit us in this kind of, like, communal area. We still have all our bags. Then we move to another space, and we talk for a little while. And it it was because we were part of a cultural event. Again, nobody had told us about this. So then they parade us. We leave our bags in an unlocked room, which was giving me heart palpitations. Anyway, get paraded out onto a stage, wave at everyone, and then they usher us to seats in the front row and proceed to put on an amazing, <laughs> wonderful dance culture celebration show for us is like a welcome um to the village and I was somewhere in between dehydrated and again completely delirious trying not to nod off feeling super hungry and I, I got up and went and got my bag and a couple people followed me because they were like freaking out like what's wrong like you don't like the thing and I was just like no I need to sleep so after <laughs> <laughs> had to be like 30 minutes of trying to convince this man to let me go lay down. Finally, he takes me to, I'm not joking, a like sideways building. It was more or less derelict, uh, right over the river, which had an interesting odor. And uh, the windows of this building were boarded to prevent theft and bats and monkeys from coming in. It's still hot as hell, even though it's now nighttime. And um, to get started, he, like, unlocks a door and starts pulling out all of these, like, old-looking mats. And I was standing there just like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? But also, like, I'm too exhausted. Like, I could, I could have fallen asleep standing up at that point. Um, <laughs> so gives us fresh sheets, fresh towels, and a mosquito net. And they're, like, four or five other guys that are rushing around trying to set this all up for us. And I'm just wondering why this hadn't been done before. Like, <laughs> like why it just hadn't been pre-set up? Like, why we roll up and they go, here's your room. Do you want to change clothes? Have some water? That sort of thing. So I go to this little, like, um, market, and I buy myself a couple things of water. And I go brush my teeth. I don't even think I did that. I actually, um, one of the one of the other residents came up to the room, and I remember uh, a flash of light. And then later, she showed me a picture of myself, like passed out, just on that mat, like using my suitcase as a uh, pillow. Ugh. It was to say that it was a bad day, kind of um, understates it, but you get the idea of how Kit runs Spice. So um, <laughs> if you're looking for artist residencies in India, you can shoot me a PM or a DM or whatever at emily at gettingintoit at gmail.com, and I'll tell you the actual name of this man and the program so you don't go with them. But, um, yeah, things got a lot worse before they got better. Um, <laughs> it's sort of funny. It felt like... Uh, 
I, I knew things weren't going to be what I expected just going into a different culture, but this felt like the cheapest, dirtiest, dingiest version of my wildest nightmare. Uh, but the food was good. <laughs> and in the morning, they took us around and introduced us to like families in the village and the people that we were going to be working with and learning from and the art they made. And it was incredible. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll stay. Um, additionally, I had come to India somewhat forewarned about things like mosquitoes, um, and sleeping on the floor, sitting on the floor, eating on the floor, using my hands to eat. I had, I had known about that before I even showed up. I even knew about the bathrooms and modesty culture. And so I had packed a like very appropriate wardrobe for living in a traditional village and just dealing with like having pants that are close at the ankle so that if you're using a, I call them squatty potties, um, your pant leg doesn't dip into anything that you wouldn't want it to dip into. So it's basically like glamping. <laughs> no, it was like camping, but we did have running water and they did provide us with safe drinking water. So I'll credit them at least at a minimum for that. Um, but other, other people weren't so lucky. Ooh, I was also warned about theft and I was told explicitly not to take anything to India that I wouldn't be 100% okay with parting with permanently. And that was like some of the best advice I ever got. I didn't even wear my wedding ring. I bought those um, rubber wedding rings and uh, took only outfits that I really didn't like but were practical, everything. And then I kept my money with me at all times, like in my passport, any important documents that I had, they were on my physical body always, even when I slept. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the type of vigilance that I would normally have while traveling, although I don't know that I would sleep with my uh, little backpack on, but I did in India, so uh, like I said, others weren't so lucky and um, there were, there were a couple instances where a group of men um, followed one of the other artists to our shared accommodations, and she was really upset about it. So I, um, <laughs> in my infinite wisdom, suggested that we tell Kit about it and uh, see if he could talk to people about not following her or, like, being distant from her, not harassing her, whatever. And... Um, he became enraged, but uh, not about the situation or at any of the men. He started yelling at her. Um, I should also probably mention that Kit is, uh, he is from India and has a lot of uh, patriarchy <laughs> um, ingrained in how he interacts with people, but he started yelling at her, and he he told her that it was her tight-fitting tank tops and her pants, which I would like you to know went past her knee. Like, they were definitely cropped pants, but they, they hit below her knees, were just too revealing, and that she deserved the harassment, and if she didn't want that to happen, that she needed to dress herself better, and blah, 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 blah. And none of, I gotta tell you, none of her outfits were anything that I wouldn't wear and feel, like, totally not sexy in. They were not sexy outfits as we, like, from the West would consider sexy outfits to be but um he became so frustrated that he balled up his hands into fists and started puffing up his shoulders and then he began moving toward her like he was gonna hit her or something and at this point she's sitting sobbing with frustration there were other people there and I can't remember which one of us I thought it was me but it could have been somebody else stood up and moved between them making eye contact with him 
And things de-escalated. Nobody got hurt that time. Um, but she left a few days later, and she wasn't the first person. At that point, three other people had already left. Um, this behavior was common from Kit. And, like, he would overreact or, or react angrily to anything. Like, we would bring him serious things, like, hey, man, we don't feel super comfortable in our bathrooms. They lack privacy. Um, he would act that way about that as much as if we were just like, hey, dude, please stop leaving us. Because he would also, <laughs> when it got really hot, we didn't have air conditioning, I should mention that. And also, they were doing some electrical work, so the electricity would come and go. And there were fans in, in our studio spaces and in where we slept, but um, <laughs> the electricity would come and go. So I would wake up in the middle of the night in just absolute sweat, and the fan would be off, and the doors were closed. So again, the monkeys and bats wouldn't come in, and there was no draft. We were just baking in this horrible little hut. Ugh. Sorry, I, I'm beginning to feel how that felt again in my body. I got to take a couple breaths here. But yeah, he would also, he would take the translator, the only translator that we had with him to his home two hours away, leaving us with no way to communicate with anyone early on um, before I kind of figured out a little bit of Odia. Um, there was one time where our shower started leaking and it was filling the space with water and there was no one who could help us communicate that and out of respect for us people were trying not to come in our space so couldn't get anyone even in there to look at it it was crazy anyway um I do want to mention that I do not believe that harassment of any kind is appropriate and I also want to state clearly that um this was frequently the way we were treated by Kit by Kit, not the village. None of the villagers treated us this way. Kit treated us this way. Um, yeah, so once I had established a very basic, and I'm being very generous here when I say understanding of Odia, which is the language that's spoken there, and once I had made friends in the village, we were so well taken care of by the villagers, the people who live in Raghurajpur, that like, it didn't really matter what Kit did, but this took about a month of relationship work for me to establish. Like, uh, <laughs> my sort of introduction to the culture there was that one day I was walking down the street and my um, meditation teacher had given me a couple saris to wear and uh, taught me how to tie them, but I, I tying a sari is a art form. Let me just tell you what. <laughs> you want to see artistry? Walk around in India. Everyone is draped in gorgeous fabrics and tying them, like I said, is an art form. So I'm walking down the street to, in a sorry that I've tied myself, imagining everyone just being like, oh Lord, oh Lord, what is she doing? And this very beautiful angel of a woman named Rami came out of her house and that is her real name because she is my friend and I love her. And brought me inside, <laughs> retied my sari for me, and introduced me to her two amazing daughters. And those two girls, and actually all the kids in the village, were really the, the people who helped me start learning Odia because they were studying English in school. And so they were so patient with me, with my pronunciation, everything. And it having that, just being able to ask for food if I needed it, or being able to um, say, like, hey, 
you know, we have a problem. Can you come help? Made such a huge difference. Um, yeah. So, uh, I also think like this whole thing could have gone so differently from the start. And it's the kind of thinking that I get stuck in when I get, uh, mad about the experiences that I had there. And I'm not angry anymore, (laughs) but like, what if communication were sent out prior to this residency explaining like cultural expectations, like toward both men and women. And this is something that I do for the residency I run, but just like best practices for clothing, uh, like what to expect of the culture, what to expect of the climate, what's included and not included in the fee that you have for your accommodations would have made such a big, big difference. Like if I could have known that I should be bringing an air mattress, I would have a hundred percent appreciated that. So anyway, um, yeah. Whew. So I also found out um, as I started learning Odia and I started making friends with people who lived in Raghurajpur that um, Kit had actually taken the Spice residency from a woman who had come to the village and come up with the idea of hosting the residency there and had hosted it herself for three years. And um, she had asked Kit to help her run it. I don't know how or where they met because he's not from uh, Raghurajpur. He's from Bhubaneswar. But she had asked him for help and given him the logins to her accounts. And he got in there and decided that he was going to run everything and completely cut her out. And I can tell you from personal experience No Western person involved in a residency in India is making any money doing it. (laughs) Like, if anything, we're, like, subsidizing things for for the places that we help with because we love the people and the culture so much that we're willing to do it. But, uh, yeah, he got in there, and he took over the residency. He changed all her passwords. And he had, instead of the money going to the village, he had all the money going to him. And then he started charging more than, like, what was needed. So, yeah, like, I guess when I looked at this, like, from the outside, looking at the residency, it looked like that woman who had started it was still involved. And, like, therefore, this weird, potentially dangerous circumstance (laughs) that I would not normally walk into was occurring, and I, you know, wasn't even aware of it, but... If I had talked to her more, asked her more probing questions when I reached out to her, I'm pretty sure she would have told me that that had happened and that I was going to have a similar experience like that. But again, people don't want to talk um, poorly about it because they want people still to go to the village, which now they have an option for. Um, But yeah, I digress. So as I'm living here in this village, I'm connecting more and more with the householders and the families there. And I'm getting every day to experience how incredibly generous and wonderful the art and culture in this area are. And um, yeah, for example, during October and early November, women gather to worship outside one of the main temples. There's kind of like three temples. So there's um, houses on either side of the street, and then there's temples and, and stages in the center of the street, and there's performances or worship and things going on all the time. But um, during this time, the women come to worship. Um, it's, it's a time to particularly worship Durga but, um, and a little bit of Lakshmi, but we won't get into that. Anyway, like from noon to one every day, the women would meet there and make prasat, which is like a holy food, like an offering. 
and then do like mantra and chants and stuff. And so I would always kind of opt out of what everyone else was doing and go sit there. And I got to witness like so much love and care between families and family members. And it was so um, interesting and lovely and wonderful to be embraced by this village, um, even though I was a quote unquote dirty Westerner, but <laughs> yeah. I, I feel so blessed um, to have gotten to know them this way. And I think that like some of the stress between the international artists brought in by Spice and the people in the village was that Kit was hoarding the funds and using them to buy himself things like cars or to bring his friends in or to, you know, finance hangouts. Um, one time he hired a bunch of um, people to come and uh, make video of us and didn't ask us for our permission to be in the video, just started shooting video of us and then talking about how awesome he was. It was, it was strange. It's like being in a being a prop uh, instead of a human. But yeah, toward the end of the program, uh, there were only three people left, and no one was um, at that point. Kit had mismanaged the funds, and um, <laughs> in our last week, he informed us that uh, even though we had already paid for our accommodations, there was no money left to feed us. <laughs> So that was special. And then he just left us there. Like, honestly, if I, at that point, hadn't made such good friends with people in the village, I um, I don't know what we would have done because we had to have people help us to call to get, um, to get our cars to go to the airport. So, I mean, at this point, it was fine. We were already eating at Rami's house. <laughs> Uh, like more often than the kitchen that Kit provided. And uh, early on in the program, it's kind of ironic because he had told us not to go into people's houses for safety's sake, which is so absurd because it was in like these people's houses where I found out like what he was or wasn't giving to the village. I think it was like a form of gaslighting. Like don't learn about each other because then you'll find out how horrible I am. But uh, I remember like, I think probably like, two, two and a half weeks in, the girls were teaching me how to count. And it was literally the day that we had gotten up into the hundreds, you know, like you learn one to 10 and then 10 to 20 and then you 20, 30, 40, and then 100, 200, 300, 400. Anyway, we took a cab to um, Puri, not even a cab, an auto rickshaw. But anyway, Kit's sitting in the front with the driver. I hear Kit ask the driver how much. And the driver responds, 200 rupees. And then he turns around and asks for 200 rupees from each of us. And then I see him only give the driver 150 rupees. And that's the kind of stuff that he would do. Like, he just did that kind of stuff all the time. It was, um, it was really interesting to see. And it definitely pushed my um, non-judgment practice pretty hard. <laughs> So to this day, I still have to do a, like remind myself that there are no experiences right or wrong. Um, there's just the awareness of them and the experience of them. <laughs> so I, I do have to, to work on forgiving Kit uh, pretty frequently. But yeah, at the same time, he did make it possible for me to see one of the most incredible places I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it was the reason I was there making the connections that 
I made while I was there. Like just waking up every day in a place where every house is a gallery. It's wonderful. And where people sit on their porches and where songs from the temples float down the street and people have meals together. Like the whole community actually during celebrations will have meals like where they cook for each other, like as a whole community, which is so cool. And India, for so many reasons, which I'll have to get into in another podcast, can be a super, super, super transformative place for meditators, for artists, musicians, regular folk, <laughs> everyone. So, yeah. Um, a little bit more uh, about my story. A couple weeks before our residency was coming to an end, one of the village elders, um, Sundarshan and Raghunath Das, a um, palm leaf carver, who I call Choi. So when you hear me talking about him, I'll say Choi. They approached me. Actually, they invited me over for tea, <laughs> which I was very happy to uh, indulge in. <laughs> anyway, they asked if I would help them build something there um, that was more about connecting people directly with the village and the village artists and less about lining a corrupt man's pockets. So um, we made a ton of lists of best practices to help them understand why some of the things that Kit was doing um, were not appropriate and uh, could not continue. And yeah, and we built something that has been really successful so far. Um, again, that's the Kalaketra International Artist Residency or CARE for short. Sometimes you'll hear me refer to it as Perform Orisa. Uh, Kit still runs his program, which is mind baffling to me. Um, one time I accidentally ran into some people who were doing his program when I had brought people there and, <laughs> and they were talking about leaving and it was so not funny, but it, it just seems like that's a lesson that he's refusing to learn. Like he refuses to put, um, artists first or to treat them with any modicum of respect that you might imagine. But, um, Yeah. So when Sundarsan um, and Choi asked me to help, I, I said yes. Um, doing this for them has definitely had its challenges. For example, it, it's like really about managing um, expectations and cultural issues. Whew. But uh, <laughs> I thought we should name the program something simple, like the residency something simple and easy to remember. But they insisted on like the longest imaginable thing. It's the Kalaketra International Artist Residency Perform Odisha. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you all, most people cannot say Kalaketra. <laughs> like, the whole name is too long. It's impractical. But like at the end of the day, Kalaketra means to fully embody art in every aspect of life. It means to play your part in embodying art, uh, to allow art to permeate every fiber of your being, which is really beautiful. And so I, I was like, fine, we'll keep that word. Um, but yeah, like they were so weirdly insistent on everything else there. So we've shortened it to care <laughs> or sometimes we call it perform orisa, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, Interesting trying to like maintain respect for the immense history and the beauty of the experiences possible, um, even just between us organizers, like while also trying to explain to our web designer why our current website, our current website sucks, y'all. If you want to see a hot mess, go look at it. <laughs> I'll um, put the link in the layout <laughs> or in the show notes. But um, 
yeah, it's poorly laid out and people don't know how to find the information that they need. It's like hidden under like things that you have to click on. And there is no easy way to just say like, hey, y'all, we're going to come on this residency. (laughs) So sigh. Uh, I imagine that people like take one look at that site and expect the experience I had with Kit, whose site was made by WordPress and it looks pretty good. Um, then there's like also like, yeah, the joy of like trying to communicate things like aesthetics to a website designer cross-culturally and so, so much love to the web designer who I just threw under a bus for having to listen to me attempt to explain to him stuff in completely incompetent Odia because I have to say he has the patience of a Buddha man. (laughs) So for me, because this project has always been about empowering the artists of Raghadashpur to run their own program, I am more or less hands-off with basically everything except what I mentioned early on. So I want them to decide who comes and who doesn't, and there is an application process, uh, but we accept basically everyone, or I should say they, they get to choose. Um, what the name of the website is, all that kind of stuff. I let them make those big decisions. I'm not going to push my agenda. I really don't have an agenda, except I want to help them and to help them grow this residency. So like living expenses, everything, I don't touch the money. It goes straight to them. But um, I more or less see myself as like a, like a long distance supporter, a communicator, and someone who just really wants to see the program take off. Um, and it has, it has for sure. I believe in Choya and Sundarsan, uh, like, and just as a teaser for all, all of y'all out there wondering, uh, my, my friend Rami, uh, she gets hired every time to do the cooking, and let me just tell you, holy, she just, wow, just wow, it is some of the best food you will ever eat, ever, anyway. I know, I know Choi and Sundarsan really care for the residents that come to stay there, and the whole village really works together to make sure everybody gets what they need and to, like, resolve things. Um, yeah, so that's a super, super, super long-winded version of how I came to call myself the International Coordinator for Kalaketra International Artist Residency Perform Odisha. <laughs> And a bit of background on why I am a needed component for them. Um, And as I mentioned before, there are a lot of factors into the how and and why of all of this. But um, yeah, and I do also feel like I should say that my residency overall was an incredible, beautiful, wonderful experience, specifically with the village, with the art that I made there. with the way that I grew in in knowledge of myself and what I could contain um, in terms of experience and not need to react to. So I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't uh, make somebody like me in charge. I would have had it that same way. Uh, But if you don't want it that way, (laughs) uh, but you want to do a residency in India, feel free to contact me uh, to talk about it. And hey, listener, thank you so much for hanging in there for all that. It was so, so healing for me to get some of these stories out and to talk a little bit about the chaos and the craziness that I experienced during that residency and and a little bit about uh, why I think Raghurajpur is one of those amazing, amazing places to go and visit. 
it's so interesting for me now to be between the two cultures, making the mix and helping people to figure out who they are and how they can interact successfully with each other. So one of the mantra that really uh, helped calm my mind during this, <laughs> during the events of this residency, the spice one, um, was the Gayatri mantra. And I recently had the privilege of being in a recording studio for the first time, recording that with a friend named Tara Kimes for her album Nourishment. And I thought as a reward for hanging in there for this episode that I would play that for you here. So enjoy and hope to talk to you soon. Oh, yeah. 